Hello there, everyone, and welcome to Tapcalf Transmissions, our Star Wars book club podcast, where we talk about Star Wars books, clubs, and podcasts. Uh, today, we are talking about <laughs> Dark Force Rising, the second book of the Thrawn trilogy. Joining me, as always, is my illustrious co-host with the Mohost, Mr. Eckhart's Ladder. Justin, how you doing? More like Intro Force Rising. More like Intro Force Volume Rising. You did the countdown, and then you just brought it up to like 11. I wasn't quite ready for that. Okay, well, I could hear myself the entire time that I was doing <laughs> that, so... Have you ever seen that um, SNL thing with Ashley Simpson where she started just, like, dancing? Um, <laughs> no. Like, just doing that jig because her, uh, her like, what do they call it? Um, Auto-tune or whatever broke? Oh, yeah. Her, her excuse was that it was because she was getting feedback uh, into her headphones. And she could hear herself sing, so I just imagine you just like doing your intro, just start jigging. Um, but it's like lot. the the apps or the slight delay headphone stuff where you can put it off oh, for like yeah. a second, and then it's impossible to talk anymore. It's just like impossible to yeah. talk. Yeah, like what you just is did there, there like a game like that? I think uh, like a board game or something. Maybe. Anyway, but um, uh, I'm. I'm excited to talk about this book uh, because it's it's like everything I liked about the last book, but slightly less weird Thrawn abilities. So yeah, way less. There's two mentions you're of not, it. You're but not saying can, that sardonically, though. I ignored it. Okay. So um, and you, yeah, you're you're not making that comment sardonically, are you? So much. It's uh, everything's dry, sardonic, or <laughs> wounded. Was the other one for Han? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, shuddering, too. Leia shuddered when she thought of that. But we're, I think we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Um, we should, you know, chat a bit. We should say hello to each other. Um, should catch up. Yeah, that's know. what people like to hear from the podcast is us go mm-hmm. off on random tangents. Uh, I guess we should say normally we try to get in some Star Wars news at the start. Uh, I say normally. We've done it once before. and <laughs> No, twice. Uh, done it twice. Come on. Don't undercut okay. us twice so i guess just off the top here we'll talk about what's happening with the next episode because it is going to be a little bit different yes uh there's an end of a trilogy that we're uh getting to here with uh with the thrawn trilogy we'd technically be covering the last command next however two weeks from now uh we are going to be on the friday instead of the thursday having a, a very special episode, a just the mm-hmm. most special episode covering a little movie that you guys may know as Frozen 2. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You subverted my expectations. Right <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, so, so we will be covering... Um, I almost called it last year. We will be covering Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> what if we um, just... <laughs> two weeks from now we do an episode of tap calf on friday the 20th and we just talk about last jedi <laughs> and not even like the old book like not the, uh, <laughs> not the episode. <laughs> no but um are we for sure gonna do it friday so friday for sure then we'll uh go. yeah I, that works for okay. me so friday okay. at the seven o'clock p.m time slot sure. mm-hmm. uh, which will i believe be live on your channel Oh, funny how that works. Yeah, <laughs> just getting all the good. You have the first book in the Thrawn trilogy. Then you have the uh, the, the first movie that's come out since we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's been some sort of conspiracy set up here. Well, 
When what I looked at a calendar, how's that a conspiracy, Corey? Well, when you uh, when you picked which day we'd be coming back for uh, for the first episode uh, after your yes. wedding, after you just my wedding, it out yes. perfectly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be the guy in the theater. I guess if we're doing it the next day, I'll be the guy in the theater with the big ass laptop, just just typing away. <laughs> yeah, so you're gonna watch the first five minutes before they kick you out. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I'll just take a marker and just start writing on Kelsey. Like, Kelsey, sit still. You can bring paper. What do you, what do you have to go from a laptop to Kelsey? I don't know. Are those the only two ways to take notes you know of? Either <laughs> computerized can, can digital note, notes can, can you, or write on your significant other. Can you not note shame me on my own podcast, please? Uh, sorry, Justin's the only one that's going to have notes tonight. Dana couldn't make it to the movie, so I have no <laughs> fucking notes. Is she actually going? I, no. I never heard the conclusion. No, no she's, she's not going. I'm going to be so watching you're going by, alone. You're going by yourself. I think I have some other friends who might come, but we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Um, is there any other news, really? I guess we had another episode of The Mandalorian, or two episodes. Uh, episode three and episode four. Yeah, so uh, I I saw from uh, from some videos on your channel that you have a... A take uh, on the last episode. I really liked it. But? That's it. I really liked it. So I got in a bit of trouble with my YouTube community because people, I, I questioned it because I heard a lot of people say, not that the episode was bad, but that the episode was the uh, the least good of them, <laughs> the worst of them. Um, uh, the title so, of, the, uh, of the video, as I remember it, was specifically the first bad episode, question mark. And then I changed it to, was it the first bad episode, question mark. And yeah, and then the second I did that, the views dropped right away. Um, but Rookie was, mistake. I didn't want to clickbait people. And people, people thought, it, like, you know, when you do stuff like this, you get usually good like ratios on your videos. Like I... I'm at like 98% or whatever, channel-wide. I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. And then for that, though, right away, it was like, oh, it was like 30% dislikes, 40% dislikes. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was my fault, so. Well, I think all your lowest like ratio videos are the ones you rehost from me. Then <laughs> No, my lowest, my lowest liked videos, I did one on the history of gay characters in Star Wars, and people didn't like that. <laughs> Uh, oh, people! There were there were. A b <laughs> I love the comments on either uh, my videos on my channel or on your channel. I don't know how often you get it for yourself, but mm -hmm. the ones that are like, uh, basically just calling you a nerd when they decided to watch a Star Wars lore video. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what what did you expect? <laughs> yeah, I do that whenever I do my ship design ones, like why Star Wars ships don't make sense. Or why, whatever, whatever, whatever doesn't make sense. And they're like, well, of course it doesn't make sense. It's Star Wars. And I'm like, I get that. And does it really like affect my enjoyment yeah. of the movie? No. I do this be because I enjoy that. Uh, and yeah, that, that's why. Actually, like, I that kind of segues into something that came up in the comments of the last episode. I uh, know exactly what you're going to say, I think. Where, and I was thinking about bringing it up just... Uh, at some point during the podcast, maybe during the questions period, but this kind of ties into it, mm. where uh, in a few episodes now, especially the first episode with like the incel Luke jokes, yeah. but where there will be we comments. Didn't... Sorry. No, so, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, there will be comments on the video, the, on the podcast being like, oh, I, you guys just trash talk Star Wars. And yeah, we, we don't. 
like I don't see it as us trash talking. Like there are thing there, we're not just gonna sit here for two hours talking about like this was good and then this was good and then this was good. If there's stuff that exactly. stood out to us as stuff we didn't like, we're more likely to try to mm. talk about that and figure out what went wrong for us. Uh, but like both of us, I, I don't want to speak for you here, but I, I'm pretty sure both of us love Star Wars and both of us love Legends. Uh, and like a yep. Thrawn trilogy is arguably the most important book series in my life, considering mm. like it led to yeah. Thrawn's Revenge <laughs> and into uh, like what I do for YouTube and what I do for modding stuff. So it's like easily the most impactful book series I've read in my life. Uh, so when I criticize the stuff like uh, Thrawn's art stuff, it's not like, oh, I this is bad now. You, you can really enjoy something, but then still have aspects of it that you're critical of, and that's not a bad thing. Yep. No, I, that's funny, because I was literally just about to bring that up. I don't think we talked about this off stream, but I did notice a lot of comments like that. Like, you guys, all you do is rip on this, et cetera, et cetera. And, and yeah, no, I, I agree completely. We rip on it. First of all, we're not ripping on it. We're, we're talking about it. That's just what Star Wars fans do. You talk about, like, the details, you know. Like that clerk scene about like Luke killing all the everyone on the Death Star. You overanalyze things because it's fun. Because really, you're just like it's just an excuse yeah. to read closely something you really enjoy. Um, but yeah, like obviously, I mean, we rated. I think we both rated Heir to the Empire number second, two. Yeah, we both yeah. put it second. And I, so I can ob- obviously put up the screen for that now, where oh, yeah. I've made a list oh. of our rankings. Epic. So now I don't have to read them off every time. For the people on listening to the audio podcast, we'll probably just say our first and last place, and then where we're going to put yeah. the books. But yeah. but yeah. Uh, so yeah, just a disclaimer, I guess, going forward, uh, we will be critical of stuff. That does not mean we did not enjoy it. If we don't like it, we'll say like we didn't enjoy Crytos Trap. Yeah, we said we didn't like it, um, and we're usually bringing it up for a reason. So like. When we were criticizing Crydos Trap, we were trying to we were basically comparing it to what happens in the other books, and right. that was kind of the point I was getting at with the the stuff that I was criticizing in Heir to the Empire, where mm-hmm. I was talking about like comparing it to how Timothy Zahn specifically like the same author writes now and stuff yeah. that I liked more about how his writing style progressed. Yes, or like how Thrawn is a lot more two dimensional, or yeah, like a lot more nuanced in later books. Yeah. So, like, yeah, we, we were kind of criticizing the character a bit, but only because, you know, expectations changed. Yeah. And it's a it's a big part of looking at how uh, Legends as a story, like the meta story, developed uh, what Star Wars looked like and what the storyline looked like when Thrawn was originally introduced versus the fact that, like, we get to the context that gets added later. It is a retcon, yeah. but it's still, it, retcons mm-hmm. aren't bad where it's, like, the reasons he was doing all these things according to the newer sources and how much does that come in when reading the Thrawn trilogy versus how much uh, was sort of built around it later. Yep. Um, Totally. No, I I agree. Um, What what did you think? What do you think of this book though, compared to the other one? I will say Uh, absolute trash. I I fucking hated it. (laughs) <laughs> Sam, it's awful. <laughs> I think it's so bad. We're gonna end the podcast for just forever. No, but um, I, I was really like, because it's December, and for those who don't do like YouTube stuff, December usually, at least for Star Wars creators, is usually a better month, especially when there's a new movie coming out and when like ad rates are higher because it's Christmas. So I try to get as many videos out as I can. Mm-hmm. 
So for this one, I was forced to do audiobook only, um, and usually I listen to it like when I was driving somewhere, and I was finishing it off today, um, and Kelsey, uh, like Kelsey was off doing shopping or whatever, and I was driving around with Gus, and I pick her up, she gets in the car, the first thing she hears is uh, Chewbacca was fingering his bowcaster. <laughs> She's like, what the hell? What the hell does that mean? Because she likes Star Wars, the movies, but she doesn't know what a bowcaster is. It's <laughs> um, between that and the uh, the Nogri voices that uh, that the narrator does. Mark Thompson. Uh, she was like, she was like, what is this? <laughs> I've never actually listened to the audio, but I haven't listened to any Star Wars audiobooks as we covered so on previous episodes. But mm-hmm. someone just threw a They're body so down a garbage chute. <laughs> Classic. Classic Upper Canada. I, I'm lucky enough to have my apartment back right onto the the garbage chute, so my bedroom specifically, oh, yeah. so I hear everything. So you're saying you can get up to the detention level, no problem. Uh, I could, but there was a dino in there, so. <laughs> I like the joke somebody made. Um, I think it might have been like, have you ever watched the Star Wars Minute podcast? This is our first discussion of another podcast, I think. Uh, but, um No. It's basically a podcast. They spend each episode looking at one minute of Star Wars. So, like, there's, like, 140 episodes of... Here I thought that Star Wars Minute was just Alex's show. Well, it used to be, and that's why he changed it. But um, just just because he... Well, anyway, that's for another day. But um, (laughs) when you overanalyze something that deeply, they like you can pick up a lot of funny things in the in the movie i mean they're talking about a, a single minute of a movie for an hour sometimes mm-hmm. one of the things that they mentioned was that uh everyone calls it a trash compactor until luke calls it a garbage masher <laughs> it's just like it's just like so like like little uh tatooine farm boy luke they're all, all using the technical name for it looks like the garbage masher <laughs> and Another was that Darth Vader calls um, himself a learner. I was a learner, but now I'm the master. That's just... Why don't you call yourself a learner? It's just kind of weird. Padawans hadn't been invented yet. Yeah. yeah. If they or had no been, way. then uh, Timothy Zahn would have made uh, the Nogri the, the Padawans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He... Yeah. Well, I guess we'll get into that. All right, so... Uh, We've kind of played around with the format a bit, trying to figure out what works best with the the way we cover the books. Because some of the earlier episodes, we were basically doing like, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, and there'd be like a minute or two of discussion about it, and we couldn't really talk about the books. We were just doing in a super abridged, contextless audiobook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so last episode, and a bit with the MedStar ones, we just sort of given a broad overview of what happens and then gone into whichever... Uh, whichever discussion points we felt like were most relevant and bring in points from the book as they came up. Uh, so yes. I th- I really liked how that went last episode. Yeah, me too. Uh, so we're basically going to try to stick with that. Uh, so do you want to... I mean, yeah, I mean, the plot of this book is ultimately pretty simple. It's two sides basically hunting for the Dark Force. And the Dark Force is this... Um, fleet of dreadnought class heavy cruisers that's been lost since the pre-clone wars era and it's basically enough ships to when properly utilized 
they feel like can change the power dynamics in the entire galaxy. So a lot of the book is honestly like the characters running into issues on their way to do other things. Uh, Luke's, I guess, main his main thing is that at the end of last, or sorry, not the end of last book, but the middle point of last book, he's off to see uh, Jorah Sabaoth, but he gets pulled out of hyperspace by the interdictor. Um, this book sees him come back around after, you know, he escapes the interdictor and has those run-ins with Talon Card or whatnot. Um, so this time he's back to Joe Mark. He's he's going to meet Sabaoth and um, Leia is doing stuff with the Nogri. Um, and Han and Lando are basically just off having space adventures together, finding um, old Corellian war heroes. Yes, but I I kind of like the with uh, Luke's adventure sort of paralleling mm-hmm. what went on with the movies where mm-hmm. it was like uh, going to find this new teacher in the second movie and mm-hmm. deciding he had to leave to go help his friends where mm-hmm. with Yoda he was unsure what he was getting into with uh, Sabiath he says basically the same thing like this doesn't seem like what I was expecting but I always got yeah. that with all my teachers but then ultimately he decides that Yoda is the true yeah kind of Jedi. what's he should be listening to Yoda, but with Sabiath, he basically gets that SpongeBob. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna head out. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what I was yeah. picturing the whole time. Me too. He's just like, I just like imagine Luke just being like, just like looking around, just like is this dude for real. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it's it's the whole time. Like Sabiath is just being like as creepy and as weird. Like he's never wearing a shirt. Like he's always like doesn't wash his hair by the sounds of it. Like. He's wearing slippers and just like electrocuting people at will, just being like a gigantic asshole to everybody. Um, this will win him to my side. Yeah, I do like though the first thing that happens like when Luke lands on Joe Mark is Sabayoth reads his mind, and Luke is like, what are you "This doing? is what I've been doing to people. This is pretty shitty thing to do," because like he feels like his mind is being invaded. Like, like uh, Sabayoth says all these things basically. Um, that like Luke's been thinking or he he just kind of taps in and has a little insight into what Luke's thinking and Luke's like well this doesn't feel very good basically having my mind like violated he's like a personification of everything Luke is afraid of becoming or being if he misuses his powers uh, which he is in like certain books like yeah. parts of New Jedi Order or like <laughs> yeah and in those he's actually going around shirtless too so he really took a lot away from from Sabayoth. Yes. I do like how Luke has one outfit. He's got like his black his black Return of the Jedi robes. <laughs> he just tours everywhere. Yeah. Like in the in the book cover. Mera actually robes. spends as much time as possible, like getting as far away from him as possible. It, it it's very subtle in the books, but there's a definite mm. smell lingering around him. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that keeps bringing on her visions of uh, Palpatine. It's just like the overwhelming odor of Luke. <laughs> um, but yeah, what, what do you what do you think about? Uh, I guess what do you what do you think of Jorus at this point, like as a kind of main villain, as a dark Jedi? Like, what what are his motivations overall? How tied is he to the Empire? Like, I don't know. Tell me what you think of the man. I think he works as a symbol. Like he he's clearly he doesn't really play in as a villain. For much of it until he becomes like the the final big bad boss for luke yeah but 
he's really just there as a symbol and warning for Luke. And even Thrawn's thinking at some point, like, hey, how do we write this guy out of the plot? Yeah. Like at, yeah, the, like at the very end, especially. At the end of the book, he's like, he, he's not doing what I'm telling him to, so. <laughs> yeah. He's like, just, he's like. I regret this immensely. Space dementia is just getting worse and worse. <laughs> he like directly mind controls people from huge distances and Thrawn's like, eh, maybe I misplayed this one. <laughs> he steals his Lancer. Yeah. No, totally. Um, it, it, it It is interesting, though, because last episode I was talking a bit about, because one thing this book deals with probably even more than the last one is it's still trying to figure out how, like, Star Wars works. And, like, this one yeah. kind of exposes how there's some issues with, like, how Jedi are treated. There's a lot of issues with how, like, populated the Force is with Force users. He's like, um, at one point, Sabaoth's like, there's another one out there. I'm like, Kyle Katarn. <laughs> It's it's Cornhorn. It's Kukruk. <laughs> yeah. It's the ghost of Deb Sabwara. <laughs> but, uh, no. So so this book is, like, it's, you know, it's much smaller sort of scale. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing, too, is it kind of doubles down with that Dark Jedi thing that I was uh, kind of thinking. And I couldn't really put my finger on why it felt weird to me in the last book. And in this one, they explicitly call Palpatine, for example, a Dark Jedi, uh, yeah. which obviously he wasn't. Well, um, yeah, because yeah. like obviously the the idea of a Sith hadn't been a thing yet because exactly the whole, yeah, no agree we're gonna be the Sith so mm-hmm. yeah because they don't say the word Sith do they in the original trilogy at all no well well they they say I think I think they say it in the movies but like the idea of Vader as Lord of the Sith is established but what the Sith are isn't and Palpatine as a Sith isn't either. Mm-hmm. So, right. the uh, the interesting idea of Palpatine being like kind of just a figurehead was interesting too. Did you ever read that? Like in the um, in the pre in the prologue for um, A New Hope, the the novelization. There's like an interesting little thing about how Palpatine was like initially a noble kind of senator who was manipulated by this like dark cabal. Hmm. They even they even say Palpatine by name, so it's kind of interesting. Um. Yeah, his name his name went back that far, and then there's like when the prequels came out, a lot of people were like, Senator Palpatine could is is he actually the emperor? And everyone who just read these books is like, shaking their head. <laughs> uh. It yeah, it seems like they didn't really like no one really knew what the intention with Palpatine was exactly, or what his connection was to anything until uh, a mm. lot closer to the prequels. And I guess Dark yeah. Empire, there was a lot in there, but I, I feel like a lot wasn't said explicitly there either. Yeah. Uh, it was just right. more Force Storms and stuff, because yeah. we had established that he could use the Force by then, but not exactly yeah. what, like... We knew Vader was a fallen Jedi, so it seems like some people made the assumption that Palpatine was also a fallen Jedi. Right. That may be where the yeah. dark Jedi thing came from, or mm-hmm. it may have just been like a blanket term for dark side user. I do kind of like the um, the idea of the purge, because like one thing that's different in this book, too, is the Jedi purge. I mean, it, it's it's similar in a way. Obviously, there's no explicit mention of clones, but just like... Well, Vader there's actually a lot of mentions more... of clones in this book, if you pay attention. <laughs> Clone Troopers, Order 66. But uh, they basically mentioned in this book, it's the Emperor and Vader personally did a lot of the hunting. And yeah. Vader was 
assisted by other dark Jedi, which is kind of a cool idea. Uh, I don't know. In lore, were there other... I guess the Inquisitorious. Yeah, Inquisitorious and now Inquisitors. Uh, some of the Emperor's hands ended up being like that. Right. Uh, but like Tremaine leading all of his Inquisitors doing right. that. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I kind of like how the new canon has handled that too. yeah me too besides, besides for the flying lightsaber thing yeah that goofy i don't but... i don't like that i like almost everything else about it yeah the helmets are cool mm-hmm. um that... yeah so about sabayoth though like he's it's really interesting too how his character like because he's basically just a more insane version of the character in the outbound flight at this point yeah um because he's basically all about like He's, I was thinking when reading this that Sabaoth is basically what a gray Jedi would actually be like. Because he doesn't want to be evil, um, but he does want to he does want to rule. He does want to he thinks at least he wants to rule benevol- benevolently because he does like dispense justice and stuff, but sometimes he also electrocutes people. He hurts people, he kills people. He's basically like uh he thinks he's a he's a he's a probably a light setter. He thinks he's a true Jedi, but he's been yeah. so corrupted. Um, in the outbound flight, when it's still Sabi- Joris Sabaoth, not Jorus Sabaoth, that more comes down to, from what I remember, he kind of just wants to control everybody on the outbound flight. Mm-hmm. Like, he thinks that the Jedi are like the, um, or Force users are like enlightened beings, basically. Yeah. Um, it's just the mostly Force lightningless version of this. Though he yes. does Force choke force Thrawn. Choke, yeah in outbound flow like he was clearly even uh non-clone joris was clearly mm. going insane yeah, he, and he's an asshole for sure uh part of that probably changed because of the whole clone madness was no longer mm-hmm. a part of the canon at that point yeah uh yeah because for so long it was like the clone wars were a bunch of clones going mad and attacking the jet or attacking the galaxy uh mm-hmm. so joris kaboth sabayoth was uh a representation of that but now it's like oh no being a clone doesn't actually that's not what that was so well i think the uh, i read something about this in the, in the essential guide to warfare the other day i think they still say that the sparty methods do still have madness mm-hmm. that's like one of the drawbacks it's like the camino clones are so good because they it takes so long but they don't have the same type of madness mm-hmm. um so i mean it still does make sense yeah it, some of it gets worked in with the uh with a lot of that and then there's some talk i think there was some other stuff in plagueis that was talking about it when they're making the other clones for the yeah Unicorn. there's like an there's another type too um and it's just like they just suck they're not mm-hmm. like crazy they just suck <laughs> um but yeah it, it it is interesting because to me he's like that's like kind of what a, a gray jedi would be like um because i don't like i don't really much like the idea of gray jedi um but this book and this book in particular and the Thrawn duology really like touch on the idea of Luke purposely holding himself back like a lot from using his force powers. Yeah. Even like what other books would consider mundane things like tricking somebody, like using a force suggestion. Luke is like very, very careful about doing that. Yeah. Um, some of that is like, cause he just, he just doesn't know at this point, And that's like one of the things Sabaoth is trying to use to get him to join his side. He's like, He's like, you loser, do you even know like what time Jedi class is supposed to start in the morning? <laughs> I kind of like that representation of Jedi as like the the biggest thing the Jedi need to learn is restraint. 
rather than yeah, how to use their power. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's it's not as big a build up to like figure out how you can access that because it, it's supposed to be this all encompassing thing. So yeah. as soon as you've got that connection, uh, you need to learn how to not misuse it rather than how to like mm-hmm. pick up bigger objects with it. Yeah, although to be fair, in, in these books, you also seen masters are like given a lot of like deference. Like to be a Jedi yeah. master is like holy shit. Like they talk about the battle between Yoda and the Dark Jedi. In the, I think that's an Heir of the Empire. They talk about that battle being like days long. Mm-hmm. In in this in this book, like Joris calling himself master, people are like, oh, like, like we'll see. Um, and like, I guess we get that a bit in the last book too. Um, yeah, there's less of an idea of like a centralized Jedi order with the Jedi Council handing mm-hmm. out promotions. It's just there's those pairs of learners and masters, yeah. and. Uh, then you get you go along the path from like learner knight master yeah. uh and like joris just appoints himself jedi master so anakin should have tried that he never really that's true sat down and he just don't say anything about it be like oh thanks for the promotion guys i'm on the council They're like i understand what? What? your concern uh master windu what do you think about this well uh well skywalker <laughs> just, sorry, just take your skywalker, je- jedi nuts you. out and just so, put them on the master table, skywalker. yeah so <laughs> Just, it's like if someone gets your name wrong and it goes long enough that you're like, just go with it. Because you, you feel like at that point, you're I'm, the I'm asshole. I'm Jason now. Yeah. yeah. So so it's like, Mace will just be thinking, oh, was I wrong? Is he? <laughs> and then all the other Jedi Masters are like, oh, no, no, maybe maybe I just missed that meeting. <laughs> they're all on their phones or something. And then all the, just get Obi-Wan in on it too. Because he'd back yeah, up his voice. It's all you really need. Master but, Skywalker, do you think? <laughs> like, Yoda's like, did he, was he, did he say that right? <laughs> like, yeah, but that is interesting because it does certainly seem like the order was much, le- like, more decentralized. We get that a bit with the uh, the Chunthar, or whatever it's called, too, like the, yeah. and the discussion of the Jedi and courtship. Like, it really kind of just seems like they were traveling mystics and st- not mystics, but traveling, um, like monks, spiritual people, monks. They help with like disputes and stuff, which is a cool aspect. Like Jedi, like helping to solve disputes. We, I guess we get a bit of that in like the Phantom Menace because that is technically what they're doing. Yeah, uh, where uh, we- where Qui Gon tries to upset the local currency, uh, <laughs> rip off a local shop dealer. <laughs> Although to be fair, that shop dealer was a slave owner, so he can go fuck himself. Yes. Yeah, that's but. true. That is true. But it's certainly like I don't think there's very many people after seeing the original trilogy would have predicted the Jedi would be like they were. No, probably not. Maybe like they were in the Phantom Menace, but like especially in like later, like the later two prequels and with the Clone Wars and stuff, the Jedi is like this huge, like very formalistic, like apparatus, you know. Yeah, the we kind of get the sense that that's the the impression the galaxy has, where like a, the great warriors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Luke is expecting a great warrior when he goes mm-hmm. to see Yoda. All the stories he's heard about the Jedi with the Clone Wars. Uh, so at least that aspect was definitely there. True. Uh, so may, maybe, like, and what we know now is that like the Jedi became kind of warriors in the Clone Wars. 
uh, kind of against their will. That wasn't what they do and hadn't been. And I guess with other other later stuff, we get like the Knights of the Old Republic style and Sith War mm-hmm. style where they're like all warriors all the time ruling the Republic, which yeah. was even farther in that direction in a weird way. But Yeah, like they're just they never really capture that sort of samurai you know like feel i guess Mm -hmm. just like like a jedi like part of that's probably because of the fact that the two jedi that we see are hermits maybe um yeah so maybe that's kind of what we expect the other ones to be like as well but um but yeah it's an interesting um kind of comparison it's also interesting too because despite the fact that the jedi are gone so long um and this, like, there's a lot of people who still really respect the Jedi, and when Luke, like, they recognize him right away as a Jedi, and they, they bring all these associations of him being, like, a peacekeeper and a solver of disputes and stuff, when, like, a lot of other material talks about how, like, the Empire painted the Jedi to be evil. Um, yeah. We, like, Han Solo doesn't know what the Force is in Episode Four. So it's kind of, to me, that's a, like a little bit of a contradiction almost. Uh, I think it kind of works if you look at where they are with stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So if a lot of this stuff with not trusting it is more in the core, where the propaganda mm-hmm. was most effective. But then if you look at like the Jedi's number one fan club, the Barabels, that's way <laughs> yeah. out by Hut Space. So yeah. uh, even if just accidentally it ended up working really well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, one of my favorite parts about Star Wars is just the, the Jedi Barabel fan club. Yeah, like Sab is the greatest. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're. I I agree. Um, She's like the main thing I'm looking forward to getting to uh, New Jedi Order. That's a while, isn't she? Doesn't it take her until? Um, She's not until like the end? later half. Yeah, I think when like Luke's setting of... up the the council. Uh, I forget which book it is, but it starts with the planet being destroyed. Well, her planet is like, is it Barab? Yeah, Barab one. It's like, and it's yeah, like it's the like the being... transport ships and their little Barab stars yeah. floating around space. Oh yeah, around she in blows space. it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone yeah, on the off. Jedi Council for the new Jedi Order is like, just super PTSD. Yeah, there's been like some rough goes. Um, but what do you think of? I guess on that note, what do you think of the fact that Sabayoth can apparently? S- sense Mara and she's notable as a force user in the galaxy. Uh, I think if I were to retcon what's going on with that, like my personal retcon for that would be, it's not that he's sensing what she's doing. He's sensing the remnants of the Palpatine's power. Yeah. Because like clearly like the, the whole you need to kill Luke, that's stuff that mm-hmm. Palpatine's either doing from beyond the graves or slashed from Biss. Uh mm-hmm. So or just some sort of training, perhaps. Yeah, and that's some, like, why residual mind control. Yeah, and that's why it registers to him on his force meter when there's like ten <laughs> ten trillion other Jedi that survived yeah. the the right. Jedi purge, and like Corrin is out there using the force to kill Tie fighters at this point. Uh, Empatojaya's brand is floating around somewhere. That's the third Empatojaya's brand reference on the podcast ever. He comes yeah. up a lot for someone who's. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to Dark Empire. <laughs> and I mean, even if there weren't Jedi, there would still be forceful beings. Yeah. Like, always. Like, there's, there's like, whole rock, like, species that rely on the Force. Mm-hmm. Like, there are those rock crystals, the Sill. Like, it's like, oh, I, I sense 
10 million pieces of stone. Yoda's like, got to have a planet out there with little Yodas on it all all over the place. Yeah. Just waiting to be merchandised. It's coming, and God help us all when it does. I really like, I, I gotta say, I really like that theory. And I think one of the coolest parts of this book, actually, is the part where they go to Endor and Leia is, like, basically knocked on her ass, like, when they pass through yeah. when the Death Star was blown up. Um, like, Palpatine just leaves really cool. this giant mark of darkness everywhere he goes. Yeah. And I, I, that was kind of a weird thing where it's like, so considering the galaxies orbiting and the planets are orbiting and the, or the galaxy's not really orbiting, but the galaxy's moving. So mm-hmm. was it like this little spot of dark side that orbits the moon? <laughs> Chewie is probably just like, like, yeah, sure. She's like, she's like, Chewie was the Death Star blown up. And he's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, like she had a stroke. Like, <laughs> she had a very, like very serious, like medical event. <laughs> Chewie's just bullshitting her. <laughs> They're like not even around the same moon of Endor. <laughs> <laughs> he went to the wrong planet. He's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, I don't know. That's a cool part. He's he's like basically made a wound, and and then Mara shows up, and she's just like, kind of, f- like not feeling it, but for other reasons, just because. Yeah, it's just like her loss. Like Luke, I want to kill you, but this guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah, basically. But we, we do get two kind of instances of seeing what Luke's instincts are with the whole peacekeeping or mediating side. So, like, we get mm-hmm. what he does on his own on Nukov with uh, Lando and Farrier, uh, mm-hmm. or the Rodian and the Barabelle. And where he's, like, trying to find a compromise and a fair thing for everyone. Yep. And then we get uh, what Sabaoth wants him to do, which is, like, no, just, just fry him, Luke. <laughs> yeah because for Sabayoth it's not really about actually doing good it's more just about dominating people yeah it's letting people know that he's the one who ultimately gets to make the decision whether that decision is right or wrong yeah like this little he's like basically on like a, a planet like the most technology they have is some droids and like cabins basically and he's just like sauntering down from his castle just to like, like this place is doing fine but he just wants to cause shit essentially mm-hmm. I do like, though, when he breaks into the house, like when the two people are about to fight and he knows them by name. Yeah. Oh, that was funny. He's like, he's like John, put that thing down. <laughs> by the way, am I still coming for dinner on Sunday? <laughs> so, yeah, it is kind of... You can tell, like, he's been doing this a lot, like, just been down there causing problems mm-hmm. and whatnot. Although no one seems to really dislike him, which I thought was interesting. No one was scared of him. I think... Well, so, I thought the, the implication was that they're all just scared of him. Really? Because Luke says he didn't feel like any sort of... I think he says he didn't feel fear, more just like people watching. Hmm. Maybe, but like... At least the way Sabaoth described it, it sounded more like, oh, they're all... Mm-hmm. No one likes to be here. Yeah. Even Eventually they all learned to just listen. It was in their best interest to listen to me. It's almost like they don't like... He's just some crazy old man who comes down from the mountain. Is like, make him the throne, okay. you brought... <laughs> okay, Grandpa. I just imagine like there's like no disputes, so like <laughs> they make shit. <laughs> he like someone like someone like knocks over a bottle of water. And he's like, dispute, dispute, dispute. <laughs> like he's like, I'm getting in my chair. I'm getting in my chair. Like, come over here. He's like a bored retired Judge Judy. 
It's like, oh my god. <laughs> like, just leave us alone. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's coming down from the mountain again, everyone. Go stage a knife attack. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else you want to cover with Sabaoth right now? We basically get the, uh, he's ignoring Thrawn's orders. He just wants to play on his planet with Luke. Luke's not yeah. feeling it. Uh, no, not at all. Then we, Luke is like, this is not very cash money. <laughs> we get the, uh, his end goal. He does ask to, uh, or he tells Thrawn he's going to administrate Mount Tantus from now on. Yeah. And that's when Thrawn's like... <laughs> he's like he's like i don't know about that one chief <laughs> uh no i mean yeah they do a really good job or they timothy zon does a really good job of just making him seem totally like crazy because thron does well i guess thron doesn't help that much but luke is delivered there and joris just basically scares him away because he's insane he's always like just gazing off at nothing he's just being real real weird um on like he just comes to like Thrawn just pissed even though it was like completely his fault that he's a total weirdo yeah like um, when Mera describes what's going on like he tried to kill me Luke is just not surprised at all he's like yeah he's like yeah I was like, yeah, yeah he did that to me too <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> this, he this threw tracks. rocks at my ship yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we do get. Uh, Crap. There was something else I was going to say about him. I no longer remember what it was. But Was it about his big muscly chest? <laughs> this probably was distracting me. What threw me off. But More oh. like, yeah. Yeah, the cover of the last book. More like hair to the Empire. Because he's got a sick flow. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> Moving on. <clears throat> so I guess... Uh, do you want to talk about our Imperial pals next? What Thrawn and Pellion are up to this whole this whole book adventure? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of trackers. <laughs> yeah, <they're... laughs> like it's a lot of following people around. Like honestly, though, the, I wouldn't say the plot is convoluted, but it is a little convoluted. Like the details of what they're doing, it's like a lot of following people places, right, trying to find, just... and then later trying to find the Katana fleet. Um, I don't even know, like, like what, what, where do they, st- what do they start off doing in this book? I guess um, they start off with Thrawn's attacking Merker, basically to avenge yeah. uh, Taloncard's um, sort of interactions with uh, Luke and saving Luke and stuff. It is kind of interesting how like it, there's almost like a th- does like Thrawn ever like say the word the force he always just talks about like tricks and stuff like that's one of his kind of his weaknesses and it's kind of interesting how thrawn like tries to bend the force as a bad guy like i think one of the themes is like the way he bends the force or he uses the islamari to negate the force or yeah when his only necessary... interest in it is uh his specific uses for it so he kind of gets right. blind to what else it or what it's actually doing uh, and it, it and doesn't then, really come, like, that ends up not yeah. factoring as much into his downfall. Uh, it kind of does with how Joris doesn't want to listen to him. But since he's yeah. not defeated necessarily uh, on the battlefield, it, it's not mm-hmm. as impactful. But, uh, but it is interesting that, like, the very first battle, Mara and Talon only escape because, like, the exact opposite happens for Mara. 
she's like forced to listen to it while <clears> she like doesn't want to. Like she, they only escape because she gets a hunch and she's like, oh, fuck, God yeah. damn it, I gotta listen to this. So it's kind of interesting how like Thrawn's doing whatever he can to like negate the force. He literally has things that move the force away from him when like the good guys win because you know they have these hunches and they they kind of just trust their instincts and stuff. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Thrawn is like perfect when it comes to planning, um, but in this especially we start to see like a few little cracks that he can't really control for. They're just mistakes yeah. that he makes because. And- it's like symbolically it's kind of indicating that like what Thrawn is doing is wrong, what the Empire is doing is wrong, and mm-hmm. the force as the metaphysical god entity of the Star Wars universe wants Thrawn and the Empire to lose. So as good as Thrawn is, like it's not something he's ever going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um but it it was something I also wanted to bring up where uh the amount that Thrawn tries to micromanage or withhold information, especially from what we see with his interaction with Pelion, it's not like he hides that much, but he, he doesn't want to explain himself unless he absolutely has to. Yeah. Uh, and he just wants people to execute what he's doing or what he's saying. Yeah. And it, it kind of just uh, paralleled his criticism of the Imperial fleet under Palpatine as well with the battle meditation where... like. Palpatine was using the Force to do it. Thrawn isn't nece- like Thrawn is trying to do that, but he's failing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But he's basically treating his own strategic skill as this new battle meditation, where the fleet, like he's just going to tell people exactly That's what true, they're doing. Yeah. He's not. Uh, was it last book or this book where it was like, you don't need to understand, only obey. That's and, this book. Well, yeah. Th- they said I'm trying to remember when they say it at one point in the last book I think the very beginning at the battle but they do say it in this one as well. Yeah, and like it, he's not quite as bad as Palpatine in that but it's like his his downfall ends up being his inability to see like the or to not the inability to see it but like he downplays the human element or the no element of people totally. uh, where he doesn't explain these things to his crew. He does, or at least to Pelion, who is supposed to be a second in command and who mm-hmm. he should be hoping it becomes more in on things. Like he'll give Pelion the chance to figure things out, uh, but only when it's relevant that Pelion be able to mm-hmm. do that stuff. And yeah, uh, he ignores how the Nogri actually function. Just yeah, assumes that, that because I'm supposed to be in charge, I'm going to be in charge. Yeah, and that's kind of what we talked about that a bit last episode with like the fact that one of Thrawn's only weaknesses in last book at least is the way he treats his subordinates. Mm-hmm. And like we see even more of that in this. Like like he just straight up like he pisses the Nogri off. Like he is not a benevolent ruler, and if he was a benevolent ruler, that like if if Thrawn had helped the Nogri heal their planet, they would have still served him just because yeah. they're like a very loyal people. Arguably that's the that's the Emperor's issue, but Regardless, he goes there. His way of getting loyalty is blowing one of their mountains up, mm-hmm. um, and Leia's there. Like, and because like the Nogri aren't loyal enough, like basically, I mean, ultimately he gets killed. He gets assassinated. But like, they harbor Leia from him. Um, you know, like a lot of big issues. And you're right. That's one thing that's quite a bit different to about new canon Thrawn. Um, not with Pelion, but with like Eli Vanto. 
Um, he always in the first well, when when he is with Eli, he goes out of his way to help him understand what's going on. Yeah, it's a lot more of a Sherlock nice. and Watson instead of like Sherlock and ghosted Watson. Yeah. Left on red Watson. <laughs> Left on red. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Left on red Watson. That's pretty funny. I guess one other thing uh, to bring up with Sabayoth to circle back to that is mm. uh, <clears throat> when he's talking about droids and how droids mm-hmm. are abominations separate from the Force. A uh, very uh, yeah. Star Wars specific way to bring up something that you tackled in a recent video. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to? Yeah, if you want to. If there's anything you have to add to that, just. No, just like. It, it's kind of funny how they talk about that. Then, like, later on in that chapter, we get a scene with, like, Luke basically spilling his heart out to R2. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Luke's like, I don't know, I kind of like droids. Um, yeah. I, I mean, in this book, there's not really, like, that much context, I guess, with, like, the the. Some other books, we get more stuff about droid rights, but. It is interesting how, like, honestly, C-3PO and R2-D2 are two of the most likable characters in this series, and, yeah, they're yeah. still always just droids, you know? Yeah, and like, it, it's kind of the same, like, the idea we see Luke doing that after we see Sabayal saying, like, no, they're abominations. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the same thing that we get with Thrawn uh, and his approach to things versus the Rebels or the New Republic uh, and how they approach things or just mm-hmm. our protagonists in the, in the book where yeah. it's... Uh, the difference between doing what's ordered and doing what's right, where Thrawn is just getting everyone under him to do what's ordered, uh, yes. and where Leia is disobeying uh, certain orders and policies that are, uh, even if they're the legal thing that they're supposed to do or what she's told to do, she goes mm-hmm. and does the other thing because it's right. Uh, yeah. And you get, like, for the battle with the Katana fleet, Leia is like, going unauthorized han is going unauthorized they get the uh specifically get asked by card to find uh an x-wing squadron who is like boy are willing to do this even if it yeah. gets them in trouble uh yeah. so i think that comes up a lot in this book i wasn't really paying attention to it in the last book as much i don't think it that theme is there quite in the same way but it's something i'm gonna try to keep looking for in last command well, one thing I guess a little bit is that we we see like Akbar talk like they talk about how Akbar doesn't have respect for Han and Lando, despite the fact that Han and Lando are out there on the beat, like literally doing any everything they can for the New Republic this entire time. Uh, so is Leia, like so they're not commissioned, and honestly, um, Han and Lando aren't really following any official direction. But you know, they're still. Uh, operating for what's good, you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Um, but part of that, we will we will get more of that next book because we get it with Akbar. And then on the other hand, we have someone like Failia, who technically does have, as you kind of alluded to, he, with uh, the final battle, he does have a certain level of authority, but he's not doing what's good for the New Republic. He's almost totally self-centered to the point of like almost comically evil. Yeah, like at the very end, like the New Republic finds this incredible resource or at least they think they do um and he doesn't want them to have it right away because he thinks it'll make him look bad yeah so for those of you who didn't read the book uh Felia is basically in contact with garmbel iblis hoping he'll be able to bring garmbel iblis and the katana fleet into the republic 
uh, and then Card gives the New Republic the information on where it is. Uh, so Leia goes to get it. Uh, Philia is trying to like delay so he can still take credit for it. And he gathers up all of his best supporters and heads out. Uh, but my favorite part of that is that all of his best supporters filled up one escort. For <laughs> yeah, and he pisses them off. <laughs> he gets a captain and the crewers, and uh, the reason he... Like, uh, Card and Leia figure out the reason he doesn't want to engage is because if that ship goes down, then he loses everyone loyal to him. And it's like yeah. the entire New Republic, and you have, like, 36 guys who were... Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's kind of weird. I feel like the end of the book was a little bit disconnected from the rest of it. Um, it's weird because Han and... It, this book reminds me a lot of book two of the Thrawn duology. Mm-hmm. Um, where they're kind of looking for this, like, MacGuffin. In that book, I guess it's like the uh, the list of the Bothans or whatever who helped with the uh, Kamosh shield generator. Or who... Uh, who went in and sabotaged the Kamos shield generator. Yeah. Um, in this one, it's the location of the Katana fleet, and there's, like, three or four different ways that... Well, in the Thrawn duology, there's, like, a bunch of different people out looking for it in different ways. There's, like, a raid on a space station and stuff and whatever else. But then they find it almost accidentally, and it's kind of like the same in this book. It's like Han and Lando spend much of the book looking for the Katana fleet and stumbling kind of over themselves finding it. Um, or n- not finding it, and then in the end, Luke kind of just, um, kind of just gets it, yeah, uh, because he does. He is doing something completely separate, and, and then at the very end, there's kind of like a, a, a little jump. But they're all kind of back. Leia's accomplished something on Lando, not really, although they did get Bella to switch into being big, but kind of a oh, like they they literally just stop everyone's everyone's kind of like storylines stop at the exact same point yeah and it's kind of nice because it was starting to get a little too complex for me because it's like okay han and lando were at this plant then they meet garmbel iblis then they learn about this why were they at the plant in the first place what was luke doing it's like too much but yeah then they take a break and reset because they were potentially going to be going going to check out some accounts and then they end yeah. up there, and then Garmbel Iblis captures them, and then they end up going to Polani, and Thrawn thinks, oh, they're going to be on Nukov because they're going to check out the accounts, or they're going to go to Polani to get, like, it, yeah. It, it gets kind of weird, and then there is kind of a... I was thinking kind of the same thing with how Thrawn ultimately loses, and it is a good payoff to the Nogri story, and, like, his main weakness being mm-hmm. uh, that he doesn't see that betrayal coming, and that he mm-hmm. did everything he could to basically push them towards that. But it does also kind of mean the rest of the plots beyond Leia's don't factor in as much. Uh, yeah. Because if, if nothing else, then it's just that they're kind of delaying uh, Thrawn's ability to kill them all. But... Mm. No, yeah, you're, you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, good way to, that's a good way to put it. And... It, because this book is a hard reset, you know, like, like we're at the we're basically at the same point we are. Just the assets have been shifted around, you know, a little bit. So like the Nogri aren't for the Empire, but the Empire now has this other resource, and the only really remaining um, plot point, I guess, that is not resolved. Uh, moving into the next book would be the issue with like the political instability and yeah. uh, Akbar. 
But besides for this, it's it's basically like, okay, this first part is completely done. The Dreadnoughts have been dispersed. Uh, however, they have been probably getting like 15 or 14 or 13, however many. They're all shitty ones. Um, but yeah, and so now is like, the third book is now like the true campaign is about to start. Because yeah. really, the, these first two, um, which is why I think I like number three the most, but really these first two have just been kind of like... Crap. It is a lot of setup, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I guess they get back to, uh, to, I guess, Thrawn's weakness and just where the Imperials are at. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to see where my note was for that, but it wasn't a very helpful note because I just wrote Grand Admiral's Throng uh, as a pun, I guess, for myself. But it, it's... What was that for? Hmm. Because I did note the stuff about uh, how Thrawn very early on, like, Pelion was like, oh, is that smart to, like, piss off the Nogri? And Thrawn was like, "Uh, they'll remember they served me, but maybe I should look into that, that the Nogri might be upset that they're being taken off this. Uh, Yeah, he makes a pretty big mistake, too, when he he makes one big intuition mistake, which he doesn't make very often, when he doesn't think Leia will have came to Kashyyyk. because he, he doesn't really... He's not able to suss out why Kabarak, like, the lost month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Everything he gets to with that is... Yeah. That's like... He makes a lot of mistakes there. Um, it's kind of funny because I was thinking... Cause last time I read this book, this is just a, a weird thing. I didn't have a dog. I didn't have a dog when I last read this book. Um, but this time when I was reading it, I was thinking about Chewie being inside the, uh, the shuttle. I was like, man, they're definitely going to find Chewie hair in there. I couldn't remember that they did. I even wrote it down, Chewy Shuttle here, and then, of course, he does. They find, like, mm-hmm. microscopic versions. But it wouldn't be, like, microscopic. It'd be, like, Chewy left a fuzzball over here. <laughs> yeah. But he did break the ship properly, so it all yes. it all evens out. But like, Did you take a vacuum over it? <laughs> like... So what my note for that was about was, I don't believe Skywalker is going to Polanyi. Uh, our Steam Jedi Master apparently called him. Uh, and... Organa and Solo in the Wookiee are trying to find a place to hide from Arnogri, but Solo will be going to Polani. Uh, so his whole sussing out of everything there was just from his plant friend, and he starts right. relying too much on the plant friend and not mm-hmm. kind of realizing that uh, Sabayoth, for one thing, is like screwing shit up. Yeah. Right, because the issue... Because the Polani is where he did the, the fake transfer, but the... If, if I'm remembering right, Han basically figures out that it's something to do with Bothan, so he looks at planets where there's likely Bothan holdings, right? Isn't that... Yeah, they were looking into, like, what planets uh, the did Bothans the Bothans have really. a, a strange interest in. Yes. And then he would... There was more about, like, Kabarak later. Uh, mm-hmm. Where... Uh, what you were talking about. And then he, he gets someone to, like watch Kabarak and Pelion's like, oh, are we going to get one of our people to do it? When are they going to do it? Yeah. Pelion kind of yeah. takes a step up in this book as like he does. checking Thrawn and his bullshit. He does right. make, Pelion does make one really big mistake though. Uh, which one's that? Um, Staying with the Empire it's... long after they're relevant and assuming that their policies aren't shit? No. When, um, when Han and, and uh, Mara sneak aboard the uh, the Star Destroyer, and they find the crashed shuttle or the crashed starfighter nearby, 
and it's got the nutrient, uh, it's got the islamari, and he's like, right. well, that's strange. But he doesn't think it's a big deal. Yeah, like, that, I just think that comes was from weird. one planet, from Merkur. And they knew, and, like, they literally watched two of Card's people crash skip raids before. Exactly. They know Card yes, has access exactly. to these Alma, right? Yeah, that was And that, that's what I was expecting, because I was expecting Thrawn to say, hold up, what did you say? What kind of starfighter? But yeah, he doesn't even mention. Yeah. It, it might be something like, this book clearly planned Dreadnoughts to be much more common than they were later on. Um and maybe it's maybe they were thinking the same thing would happen with skip ray blast bolt, blast boats. I keep saying they. I mean, I mean Timothy's <laughs> on. But there, there was something I wanted to bring up with Pelion as well, uh, mm. really early on, like right at the start of the book, uh, sure. where he's talking about uh, like Thrawn's meteoric rise, despite the fact that he was Chiss and and the Emperor's well known anti alien ah, prejudices. Yeah. I was going to so, bring that up, too. Uh, the implication there being not that it was uh, institutionally as racist mm-hmm. uh, or speciest, uh, but that it was something that Palpatine harbored, whereas I think... I think it's just a mistake. Or, I mean, you could explain it by the fact that Pelion just doesn't know, but, I mean, the, the thing I don't get is Palpatine is always seen with aliens. He's seen with Masamita in the what's her name? Uh, yeah, Sly Moore all the time. Um, but but I yeah I don't think Palpatine actually. I think Palpatine's way too smart to actually be racist. Uh, yeah, like he just sort of plays into that. But I do so, think yeah, it's, it's a useful. Like the interesting tool. thing I thought about it was like how Pelion ends up seeing the Empire and the Emperor, where he's mm-hmm. not as attached to the Emperor, and he kind of. I think we kind of see throughout his development as a character for the next like 600 mm-hmm. books is that he's attached to this ideal of an empire that never really existed. And yes. he kind of piled all of the bad shit of the empire onto Palpatine himself and uh, like uh, a few bad eggs. Yes. Yeah. And then because we, we get a, some of that in, I think it's legacy of the force, but I mean, we, we first get quite a bit of it in, well, with the whole Dala stuff, and then later in the Thrawn duology, book one, uh, I guess that's him kind of realizing, too, that at the beginning, he's realizing that the Empire's screwed, and then later he realizes that, like, the Empire can still exist, it has to be pragmatic. But you're right, he does realize later on, like, as he becomes the, like, the true uh, Supreme Commander, that, like, the Empire was kind of shitty before, and never really, you're right, they never really did exist in this way that he's... In, retroactively imagining them mm-hmm. um that's a good point uh but do you think do you think palpatine was actually racist like to me that was just a tool to you know create division which is useful especially you know you can yeah i i think like palpatine thought everyone was below him like the the best insight yes. we get into palpatine is from uh is from plagueis uh, and I'm I'm willing to trust that for most things because James Asino, but uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't. If it were just like a bank, a blank slate of what he wants his policies to be, I don't think there'd have been much focus on uh, like alien versus human mm-hmm. to the same extent. But right, he. He's racist in effect in that he's super okay with playing into it. 
So yes. yeah, mean, you're ultimately it, does, it doesn't matter in the end because yeah. I just I think like Palpatine hates everybody equally or yeah. not equally, but he hates everybody based on factors other than their whether they're an alien or not, like whether they're weak or strong. Yeah, it's just against him. What is he going to do that's going to get him the most power and get him what he wants? He's he is just a, a sociopath. So yes. he yeah he's pretty he like there's nothing redeeming about him. He's not like that's all. I, I don't really like the the, the stupid theories that always pop up on reddit or whatever did you know palpatine actually created the death star to prepare for the yuzhan vong yeah like that's definitely like that's part of the retconned uh justification for uh why a lot of or part of what I he's trying to do if it is the, well thrawn I, that's outbound flight thrawn is doing that and then palpatine's concerned about it but he's yeah but palpatine he's concerned about the, the yuzhan vong and the siruvi in a way that like it's He's concerned about them as threats to his power, mm-hmm. and the Death Star is a good way to keep his power, but it's also going to be useful against a world ship. Yes. That, that, and that's one thing I like about this book, too. It talks about how like the Death Star and the uh, Grand Admirals served as ways for him to keep his power even tighter, because mm-hmm. like, the Navy is getting really big and expansive. He's like, okay, I'll make the one of our ultimate weapons something that I can control with like the snap of my fingers, and I've got these 12 Grand Admirals who are very, very loyal to me directly. Um, so, like, more and more, even though he's already emperor, he's trying to consolidate his power more and more yeah. so he can, like, directly control everything. Uh, I, so I really like that explanation for the Death Star. Um, and I think, like, the whole the whole Yuzhan Vong thing misses the point completely. Yeah. Um, because I, I think the Empire would have won against the Yuzhan Vong easily without, su- the, uh, without super weapons, probably. Mm-hmm. Just because... The, the Yuzhan Vong weren't really that great. The, the New Republic was just really stupid. <laughs> well, the galaxy had just spent, like, 60 years blowing itself up. And Borsk is in command, and he's like, they're being invaded in the Outer Rim, and he's like, they're like, they're invading the Outer Rim! And Borsk is like, are they, though? It's <laughs> <laughs> <He's> like, yes! <laughs> like, they just dropped a moon on Cernpedal. Did they, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Borsk. He, he's just gonna keep providing hours and hours of entertainment for us as we approach yeah he's like he's so so annoying in this and i will say the the his downfall is a little cheesy in this book the whole turn on the uh, calm and he says exactly the thing he shouldn't say yeah especially the thing that really bothered me about that is he had a 100 percent private conversation with han like 20 minutes before yes 20 pages before (laughs) he was very careful to say all the right stuff uh and then he like like han doesn't have the same reputation like leia has if he'd if he'd even told han like yeah this is what i'm doing yeah, there's exactly. shit all you can do about it then yep. sure but he says that in front of leia and card like mm-hmm. card not who cares as much but he knows smuggler a smuggler with a a reputation for giving information literally an information broker <laughs> like yeah. a person on the council that he is supposed to be appealing to in leia and it's like they'll take they'll take her word for stuff if you're saying this mm-hmm. yeah so the fact that he was willing to just go out and say all that it doesn't drive with yeah. what he was doing himself no, in agree. earlier scenes it, it's a pretty it's a, it's a pretty goofy moment and especially because uh, 
he was saying like or the book was saying like he wasn't taking his eyes off card and card was holding up her like had just written on the data pad that leia was now looking at yeah uh, so <laughs> i just imagine they're talking and card just puts it in front of her face <laughs> it's like intercom and then puts it back card's just All holding it up just while Borst right. is looking at him he's like pointing at it he's like <laughs> yeah uh, I mean, it's a little goofy, but I mean, it's yeah. it's not it's not that bad. It's not a super important. I mean, it's it's a created um, conflict, like it's yeah. a pretty contrived conflict anyway. So having it be handled in that way is probably okay. Mm-hmm. But we still have we still have Akbar in jail, and I do like the the moment in this book where uh, Thrawn's attacking the convoy, and they're using A wings to defend themselves, and Thrawn's like. <laughs> idiots <laughs> a-wings aren't good escort fighters and i guess he's like i guess we're seeing the impact of uh of admiral akbar not running the show mm-hmm. cool little moment talked about that in a recent video i don't remember which one yeah it was like uh the a-wings are really good at chasing down fighters but if they're chasing down fighters they're not yeah. going to be able to stay close and protect the the convoy yeah. so it's kind of like it's like squandering their all their best strengths. asset yeah yeah, and they've like totally dedicated themselves to to speed, to like the to other features are stripped back. So it's yeah. like you take that one thing away, and it's basically just like a shitty starfighter. So I guess that kind of covers the the Jorah stuff, the Thrawn and Pelion stuff. Uh, anything with so we've got Luke and Leia, or yeah, Luke and Mara's card rescuing adventure. Uh, Han and yeah. Lando's Katana yeah. fleet escapades with Garmbel Iblis and Leia's Nogri stuff. Do you want to just cover the rest of Leia's Nogri stuff first? Because that kind of ties more into the Imperial stuff we've just been talking about. If there's anything sure. else to cover there, like this well, is mostly just, set up. One thing I want to say about one more Thrawn thing that didn't really make sense is during when they're when the they're on the Star Destroyer. Thrawn says they're going for the Millennium Falcon, but like. There's no real way, because he's like, where, they're trying to figure out where uh, Luke, Mar and Talon are going to go to, whether it's one of the shuttle bays, one of the big hangars or whatever, and Thrawn's like, they're going to go for the Falcon in deep storage, but like, Luke and them had no way to know that the Falcon was there. Well, I think it was more uh, that they're not going to go for the main hangars, they're definitely going to go for deep storage, and once they go for deep storage, they're going to see the Millennium Falcon there. Yeah. Uh, so I think that one made sense, it's like, okay. once they get to that yeah. point... That's what they're gonna do, because uh, he'd already ruled out the frontal assault bays, uh, yeah. and the main hangar. Yeah, he's like, just... if, if Talon is in command, he'll want to do something more nuanced or whatever. Yeah, and then once they do that, this is gonna be the only conclusion they can reach. So that's what we're gonna right. do. I think okay. that's one well, of Thrawn's guess... better uh, conclusions. There. I mean, Thrawn doesn't have that many. Uh... He doesn't. He he doesn't do that much in this. I mean, strategy-wise, like, running the campaign, he's still doing a really good job, but he certainly makes... Probably the the, the co- kind of the coolest part is actually the fact that the battle for the Katana fleet doesn't even happen. Like, yeah. by the time they get there, it's all gone. Um, I, I guess we'll talk about that more in a few minutes, but, yeah, like, you expect there to be this big kind of... And I, I really didn't remember how few ships were left. I thought there'd be a larger confrontation, but no, they're all gone. Because Thrawn just, you know... He's figured it out way ahead of everyone else. Most of that happens off screen, but we see the way he works through it, which is, you know, cool. Yeah, the uh, 
Sorry, I'm pouring a drink. No, I, I can hear, I hear the, the tinkling. But the uh, yeah, the, the Battle for the Katana fleet has some cool moments, but I, I do like that they kind of pay off the fact that they delayed too long, and like Card has kind of thrown in with the with the New Republic and played his hand yeah. now, but yeah. it, it was for nothing almost. They get and he keeps acting like he hasn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is just for now. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Thrawn keeps. Oh, sorry. Yeah, when like he's really went out of his way, especially at the end there with the Katana fleet, he's really went out of his way to like help the new republic because that's i don't know i i personally think talon cards like a a good like a certain yeah i think it's pretty obvious he's a good dude at heart and like yeah. even beyond at heart like he makes it seem like he's just helping people because um because he, he owes a, a duty and he does but um yeah yeah star wars has a big thing with like smugglers being honorable bounty hunters being the gross mm-hmm. ones uh which is how they yeah. ended up on the factions they did in the original empire at war but mm-hmm. um, on that note, this is kind of a this is way off topic. But have you seen the new uh, documentary those people did on Shadows of the Empire? I think it was I forget which YouTube channel it was. No. Uh, someone in the, in the chat, if they they put on, but anyway, this YouTuber or like this channel did this big retrospective on Shadows of the Empire, and they commissioned all these really amazing three D or really amazing animations and stuff. Um, I meant to mention that at the beginning of the episode. That's hmm. the reason why I'm saying it now. But uh, cool. yeah, that like that's an, another example um, of just smugglers with ultimately going way above and beyond. It's yeah. it's you're right. It's, it's the same thing with Han. He acts like he's just in it for the money, but he consistently goes above and beyond that. Um, yeah, I think part of it comes from uh, smuggling being like. Under the Empire, it's getting the supplies to people who need them mostly, but there's also the, the drug dealing. Yeah. That was the yeah. that's the dark side of smuggling, mm-hmm. but it's usually portrayed as like, oh, there, we need to get the supplies in past Imperial blockades and all that. Like, if you're breaking Imperial law, are you really breaking the law? Yes, is kind exactly. of how it's presented. But does Talon smuggle drugs? I can't remember. Uh, he doesn't he smuggle people. We yeah, know that which is we yeah. have. I think we have to assume he smuggles drugs. He was taking over yeah. after Jabba's empire mm-hmm. collapse. So, True. like Cardass and him, they, they, if they weren't moving drugs, then their clients were probably. Have you read um, Tales from the Bounty Hunter? Tales of the Bounty Hunters. I mean, uh, no, like no. The... Okay, no, I was thinking. Yeah, I, I haven't. Yeah, so there's like one of them is from Boba Fett before he yeah. got like his. Is retcon where he's still Jaster Mareel, uh, or or however it worked? I don't know. Yeah. But um, there's an interesting scene in that where because Boba Fett used to be like almost this like really like religious conservative like he's like no drugs, no sex, no relationship, kind of like just a different perspective of the Mandalorians. And there's um one part where he's in he's at Jabba's with Leia. It, it's a really dark scene because. Leia or Jabba essentially offers Leia as like a like if Boba wants to have sex with her, which is like I, I don't like when Star Wars goes into that territory. I just don't think it's ever it's, handled it's just, well. Yeah, it's, it's not handled well. Um, but and Boba doesn't because he says something about how like how rape is you know not cool. But there's a scene where he goes off on uh, Han Solo for like engaging in in spice trading because he's like spice is like the 
it's, it's like the shit of the galaxy. Like it, it ruins everything. Mm-hmm. So it it like spices is, is is pretty nasty shit. But yeah. So it would be interesting. I don't know if we learn about that. I guess that was a bit of a tangent there. So I'm sorry. Um, I don't yeah, we don't like that. tangents on this podcast. So if you can <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. Tangents or Canadian pronunciation of things. So if you could just stop with that too. No bagels. No bagels. The plague isn't happening. Uh, we're going to be very vague about things. And we're Ugh. about to keep going. So if uh, if anyone is offended by that, then I'm sorry. <laughs> so sorry. So, so sorry. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? Um, uh, I, I think we're moving on to Leia's right. side story. We kind of, like, a lot of this is just set up for The Last Command, so there's only so much yeah. we can really say about anything. Yeah. Like, we Leia finds out through the... Uh, the rigged decondroid that like this has been going on for forty five years, and there mm-hmm. there's probably some stuff to say about the fuzziness fuzziness of Star Wars timelines. Yeah, it, it doesn't that, it just doesn't yeah. work out. There's no possible way for it to work out because yeah. it's like pre I think episode one. The battle would have been pre episode one. Yeah, I I do really like time issues aside. I do really really like the scene where Leia finds out that uh, they've been bullshitting her this entire or that that. Uh, like, she assumes that the big battle was, like, eight years ago. Yeah. She's, like, 40 years ago. Like, they've been, like... I've been feeling guilty for, for no reason. <laughs> yeah. War is okay. Continue the raids. Well, yeah, exactly. What did you think of the, like... the Like, when they when she first appears at Honiger, though? Like, do you like the Honiger stuff? Uh... Yeah, I, I actually mostly enjoyed... Those scenes, I, I kind of like the the too. stuff between Cabrak and Chewie. Uh, and I, I just uh-huh. it just took a while for it to go anywhere. So there were a lot of scenes yes. of them not really doing much with uh, Leia on Honiger because she's she's there most of the book until she ends up going back for uh, yeah. to Coruscant. And I, I think it's just supposed to be Coruscant, right? Yeah, because all all the Kashyyyk stuff is last. What happens when I read them? All the Kashyyyk stuff is last book, right? Uh, Honiger? No, like, like she gets, she's all off Kashyyyk on this oh, book. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She goes back to Kashyyyk. Coruscant. Yeah. Yeah. And so it happens when I read them, two of them right in a row, I get a little mixed up. Yeah, so, uh, like, they're on Coruscant, Han and her. They see each other for a day. Han's upset because we haven't seen each other for a month. And then he heads mm-hmm. off with Lando and Luke to, uh, to New Cove. And yeah. Leia goes off to Endor and then Honiger. And I, I think part of why we get, like, the scenes with her doing that and then uh, doing very little for a lot of the book is because we're mm-hmm. supposed to think, like, oh, but we know Thrawn has the Millennium Falcon now. So she's going to go yeah. back and she's going to get caught. But then yeah. nothing ever pays off with that because they just fly it back to Coruscant. Like, hey, Han, here's your ship. And Leia just gets flown directly to Coruscant. And Han well. doesn't even take it at the end either for the last battle. He's got a – he takes a transport. Yeah. But uh, I I don't know the Nogri are like surprisingly wholesome species. <laughs> it's like what I picked up re- rereading. Surprisingly, what you cut off. Surprisingly wholesome species. Yeah. Like, like they're very they're very chill. <laughs> um, like I, I like that they're basically they're basically scaly Wookies. Like yeah. they're all honor based. Um, 
And yeah, I don't know. Like I, I enjoyed that section. It was cool to learn about like the race and stuff. I really like the the matriarch is a cool character. I thought. Yeah, uh, Vor Cork is kind of a dick, but then even he makes a, a dry comment towards the end. Oh yeah, I'm trying to remember how the audiobook pronounces his name. Um, Vorkor, Voror. No, it's uh, I don't even remember how it's spelled. Let me pull up the document. V O R apostrophe C O R K H. I can't even remember. But yeah, that's a the Nori one are tough. Like, even Cabarac is that, that's how it pronounces that. Um, but yeah, it's there's some tough ones. I I kind of want to start using Vorkor as Vorkork as the at a name for people who are just acting like complete dicks. You're being oh, a, Vorkov you're, is how it says it. Oh, I think that, that makes sense. You're being a total Vorkov yeah. right now. So <laughs> I'm going to need you to stop. He does kind of... I mean, it's understandable. And that's another thing I wanted to mention about Borsk, too. Um, if you ignore the fact that Borsk is obviously self-serving, some of his reservations are reasonable, and I think the same with Vorkov as well. Mm-hmm. Like... Like he's worried that the empire is going to come and destroy his planet. Yeah, and, and Borsk they will. is yeah, yeah, they they absolutely will. Uh, Borsk isn't worried about this, but there's certainly the possibility that Thrawn could have done the whole Katana fleet thing for a trap or to throw a fleet out of position or whatever yeah. else. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to think about. Our main heroes are definitely like uh, entitled children a lot of the time. Like, yeah. they should be listened to just because they are them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my phone just died, so I need to open up notes on my computer again. But, uh... Um, sorry. No, I was just going to kill that air, so you can, you can talk. Oh, I was just going to say, Leia's uh, journey in particular is very... It, it's it's force-based. It's just, like, she's giving... It, it's it's like like Luke's, basically, journey to Dagobah in, uh, in Episode 5. Like, it's just she just feels like she has to do this and she just keeps going off that gut instinct basically mm-hmm. the whole time. Which, I don't know, I thought it was pretty cool. One of the things I didn't like about uh, some of her plots is when she just, like, goes, I am the Malariosh! Uh, yeah. Just kind of forces herself. Like, the only thing she really knows about them is that they value Vader uh, mm-hmm. and that they are similarly honor-structured to the Wookiees. So, like, mm-hmm. what in that tells you, like, being demand... Other than, like, oh, this must be how Vader acted... What in that tells you, like, the way to handle this is just be demanding. Like, I'm not just yeah. Vader's daughter. I am his heir. Mar-ish, I'm the Malar. Yeah. Like, you don't know what that word means. Yeah. If I just, like, yeah, no, run I- into people, I'm the barista. <laughs> the barista. <laughs> yeah. You're right. That, that That is a good point. She kind of, she does a lot of winging it. Like, we're supposed to kind of assume a lot about her diplomatic skills. Another thing that's kind of funny is when um, you remember with the scene where the 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 Empire is coming back to Honiger, and they're she knows they're about to do a life form scan, and she's like, she's like, well, oh, she's trying to think back to her training of how life form scanning works, and she's like, oh yeah, it's based on radioactive isotopes and like all these other really technical things. Hmm. Like, how the hell did she remember that? Like, and just like how Lando's is a bit more. Uh, they give an explanation for, but just like how um, Lando's like, oh, there's only one ship that used navy <laughs> seat cushions, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the Katana fleet dreadnoughts. 
Yeah, that upholstery was never used anywhere else. <laughs> you can tell from the little K tag attached to it, actually. <laughs> oh, look, yeah, the, it has on the back stitched only for Katana Fleet Dreadnoughts. So, were the seats just like, they put a slip cover over them? Like, I don't know. Lando makes a big deal out of it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,. I think with there, with Han and Lando, unless there's anything you want to say about, like, Niles Farrier, uh, the main thing with them is just gar- talking about Garnbell Iblis. Yeah, I mean, they do a lot of kind of prancing around. Yeah. I bet you they just get, ri- we said this last episode, but there's just, like, four or five day trips on the uh, their various ships, whatever they're on mm-hmm. at the time. I just feel like they must get drunk out of their minds and just play a lot of Sabacc. Yeah, just Han and Lando flying around the galaxy yeah. when Han's not being wounded. Yeah, I was just thinking, what if it turns out that there was no lead on the um, Coral Vana, and uh, Leia's like, why were you on a gambling ship for five days? I I swear. I thought there was a lead, and once it goes, you can't get off. (laughs) (laughs) You expect me to believe you and Lando went to the most famous casino in the galaxy against your will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lando just wanted to get back to work. <laughs> we thought the Katana fleet was there. <laughs> okay, Han. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's just like, too, because the Katana fleet just like this legendary thing yeah. everyone thinks is pretty much made up. I was looking for the Katana fleet. I was looking, <laughs> okay. I was looking for the Fountain of Youth. I swear. You're just going to lie to me. <laughs> Uh, You're sleeping with Chewie tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep with Chewie tonight. Uh, but what's your take on uh, on Mister Bolibliss? Uh, uh, is his concern with Mon Mothma a reasonable one, or is he? A- no, I, I don't. I mean, Mon Mothma's kind of a. I she's not very likable. I think that's probably the point. Um. I don't know. Like I, I don't know enough about the sort of early rebel era to know whether it's noble, but or whether it's reasonable. But I do know that he's a total child. Later yeah. on, like, I don't, don't want to hurt my, I don't want to wound my pride. Basically, yeah. Like we, we are basically told like we're supposed to. Everyone thinks he's in the wrong, including his yeah. arenas and Cena. Uh, mm-hmm. So. It's just he's very prideful, and I, I, we're, I do kind of sympathize with the idea. Like, he's just concerned that the empire is just going to get a new emperor, but mm-hmm. all, like Mon Mothma wasn't. At least at this point, we don't know what she was doing. That was so, uh, right. So Palpatine, like we're told yeah. here that oh she wasn't listening to anyone except, uh, Bale. But at the same time, we're hearing that from someone who is clearly kind of petulant and. Wants to be also, the center of attention. Also, weren't there only three so. of them at the beginning anyway? I guess there's, like, the generals and stuff, too. But, like, that's ultimately how, like, command hierarchy would work during, like, a yeah. time of war, too. Like, yeah, you're not always going to listen to everything your generals say. But, like, that's just the way it is, you know? Yeah, and Belliblis was really more of a political leader, too. He was a senator that just happened to be good at military strategy as well. You're right. Uh, and he... And I'm not- no, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I think part of it was that like he brought in the ships and stuff, but yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I 
I kind of forgot about that, to be honest. Like, like I forgot that he is first and foremost a center because I think of him as General Bell Iblis. Yeah. Because he never, after this point, he's he's in canon quite a or in Legends quite a bit, but he never transforms back to Senator Bell Iblis. From this point on, he's Garm, or General Garm Bell Iblis. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, even, even I was a bit kind of surprised about, like, I've read this book many times, but I forgot that he, like, that Han knows him as a senator and stuff. Yeah, and it seems like his position as a general was probably intended to be, like, after this. Like, Zahn doesn't seem to have yeah. any intention of him being General Garmin. All we, all we really get is the uh, the bit with the Siege of Coruscant, but... yeah. And that's probably where he gets added to the military hierarchy or how he gets like when he rejoins mm. the Republic, it's probably he's bringing his forces. He gets to be general, but yeah, um, fine. <laughs> Let him play with his dreadnoughts. But uh, he he got the information on or he bought his dreadnoughts from Hoffner. Uh, right. So he's kind of got a line to the katana fleet and it's kind of weird that he like didn't put more like he's clearly been years of this but he yeah. didn't put much effort into be like no this is kind of important so if you want to yeah considering how cash scrap or how cash strapped they are like yeah part of the thing is like who's he gonna like he can't man them and he can't sell them to anybody yeah. he doesn't want to sell them to, to the new republic in case he's like basically preparing to try to take the new republic down yeah. if he needs to obviously he won't sell it to the empire so mm-hmm but even just like getting the information off of uh, Hoffner for himself, because like mm-hmm. Hoffner, what sounded like an alcoholic gambler, and yeah. as far as Garnbelibus knows, that's the only person who knows where the Katana fleet is. Mm-hmm. And you'd think maybe he'd yeah. have more re- like if he's got the resources to buy some of the dreadnoughts, see if he could get like a a Costco deal out of that, or <laughs> yeah. Like okay, when I when I ruin one, let me come back and get another one. Yeah, first. like what's Hoffner gonna do with them? He can't crew them. He may as yeah, well just exactly. sell. Uh, he's basically just price. like sitting on them. Yeah, because I doubt he's selling very many of them either. Yeah. Because once you, because yeah, once you get one and you realize it's Katana Fleet Dreadnought, only needs a small crew. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna realize what's going on. Because even Luke knew the story of the Katana Fleet from Tatooine. I like how so uh, at one point. Uh, I think it was Card was like, if you want to use the melodramatic title, the Dark Force, and just like mocking it. But then, I, I can't remember if it was Card or Garm, but like later when Mara's telling Luke about it, I think it was Mara telling Luke, might have been Han. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Han mentions it, and Luke's like, the Dark Force. Mm-hmm. I just, just the just the like, view of Luke is like this dumb Tatooine kid, like Woody from Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally it i do like yeah the dark force is a pretty cool idea too um it's, it's an interesting like i don't know plot device i guess mm. um but yeah it, it, it is cool how you see like Thrawn kind of sprinkle a little bit of dark force here a little bit of dark force there and like his next books because we see a, a lot of act like a lot of space battles yeah the next book and all and it's always like oh he had 10 katana fleet dreadnoughts or whatever else um yeah and like the big concern is like oh well he, he's got the ships but how is he going to crew those they could just make ships if they really needed them but mm-hmm. that's where the clones come in 
So like during yeah. the battle, they kill some people on the on the katana. I think they're on. Yeah. Um, and then they see that all their faces are the same. Mm-hmm. So they've got the clone troops already in in production. Yeah, and I, I guess those... So I guess they've already stolen all of the dreadnoughts that are good enough to take. And then it's like the the ones that are left are just like... Because you know the Katana's in really rough shape. Yeah. Um, so I guess the ones that are left are just like the ones that need more work. But they're just growing the clones on it anyway. Which is kind of a bad move by Thrawn. Because he's kind of given away his plan. Like he could have surprised them with the Katana fleet. Because the New Republic's like, okay... It sucks that we can't use them, but at least Thrawn certainly won't have 200,000 people ready, mm-hmm. uh, or 400,000, sorry, ready. Um, but he kind of just has those clones being vatted on that ship anyway, so it's like... Well, I think he was kind of going all in to make sure that they didn't get away, which they ultimately mm-hmm. did, but he was hoping to be at the battle himself, but he had to take a call, yeah. uh, and then <laughs> uh, peremptory gets blown up oh yeah so Can't remember whichever ship was gonna aid it like thrawn could have ended up getting dreadnought to the face but he probably would have had a a plan to deal with that that's yeah he wouldn't him. have he wouldn't have gotten dreadnought in the face um it is kind of funny too on that note of garmbella was he comes and he's like he thought it was a formal new republic request for aid, and then he finds out it's not, and he's like, "All right." Yeah, no one even knows you're out there. What are you? What are you on about? Yeah. And then Leia has well, to make Well, it seems like Han kind of lied to him. Um, yeah, true. Like Han, Han made it seem like it was coming from her. Yeah, but but Leia makes it official, and then he's fine. He's okay. Yeah, he's like, "All right." <laughs> I will say it does feel like he they nailed the um, power dynamics between dreadnoughts and Imperial Star Destroyers in this book. I felt like they did a good yeah. job. The three can sort of fight off one, but they can't beat yeah. it. I think yeah. that's a decent way to set it up. Yep. Six with ion cannons can do like a, you know. Just disable really it long one. enough to get yeah. away, even if they're not going to be able to destroy it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the, last... the scale of some of the, like the, at least yeah, the way they... the ships relate to each other is pretty good for the Throne Trilogy. What do you think about the Empire, them feeling the Empire wouldn't have 400,000 officers? Yeah, I that... guess that's probably true. I. I don't know because, th- like they've got, because the issue is four hundred thousand spare officers, yeah. right? Because they certainly they've got millions and millions of officers, but four hundred thousand spare. I guess I can see. At first, I was like, "Oh, that feels really, really low to me." They should be able to scrounge that up. And I, well, you'd I also know. be like shifting some people around, getting some of the new people onto uh, other mm-hmm. ships, putting seasoned people in charge of the, of the new ones. Yeah. and like spreading out your crew that way so i i feel like that kind of downplays the actual scale of mm-hmm. what people would like that's smaller than some real world militaries yeah and, or navies so it anything that earth could probably handle on its own compared to the thousands that's a of good point systems. yeah that's a good point so, um i mean Thrawn probably could have pulled some people from Empire of the Hand if he wanted. Mm. <laughs> One thing, too, I was kind of confused about, too. At the end of the book, when uh, Luke throws his lightsaber, I thought he just threw it out in space, and I was really confused about how he got to, got it back. But I guess he pulls it back to his hand, because I'm reading the comic. I'm looking at the comic right now, and it's like, okay, I guess he did the 
throw it and pull it back thing, but yeah, I'm a little uh, confused about that. We did get a tap calf mention on page 102. We so. did, yeah. I think we did in the last book too, but I'm not positive. Uh, yeah, I think so. But with the so with the battle, uh, the, one of the other things that kind of stood out was like, it's just. The scenes on Virgilio, or was it Captain Virgilio? Yeah, because yeah. the ship was called the Quenpus. It's uh, a Nebulon B in the comic. Is by it the way. okay? Because I was yeah. kind of unsure about that. I was picturing. A I was imagining for a, while, a small, but yeah, because like that's usually called an escort carrier, right? Yeah. I was imagining like a like a that at first, then like a CR ninety. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it has that, it as a, that actually kind of brings up something from earlier where. The idea of converting bulk bulk freighters freighters to carriers was like this new mm. theoretical thing that had never been done, but quasars were around forever. Right. And then neutron stars had it like it was like the uh, something everyone has been doing forever. Right. So I thought that was just a fun thing. But also dreadnoughts don't usually have hangers, do they? Uh they have they fly in a hangar in this one. Yeah, they they've always had a hanger. Uh, below I mean, the I guess bulb. you need at least something yeah. for people to get on board and whatnot. Yeah, the it wasn't common for them to carry starfighters. If they did, I think mm. it was usually reduced squadrons. But like you know the the chin bulb, there's and the hangers behind that. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of, I like how he described it as a clamshell with an overbite. That's like the perfect yeah, way to describe a, a a dreadnought <laughs> and a battle dragon. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> just uh the overbite but the mouth is open for the battle dragon i guess or something hmm. uh but yeah anything else about the last battle there to bring up no i mean we get more rogue squadron but yeah i, I did enjoy really... that that we got yep another scene with that more of them wedge seems a lot more youthful and innocent and in th- yes a lot less like tied into the new republic command hierarchy yeah. and stuff I, I really liked the the scene with like uh, Mara getting the Etherway out of Impound, uh, or oh, whatever, yeah. one, and is like Wedge enjoying playing at being a. This, <laughs> yeah, like he's already formed Wraith Squadron, this team of elite commandos, who goes under. It's kind of like in the first book Coruscant. too. Yeah, yeah. In the first book, he's like a really bad cover man or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was kind of funny. He, he's he's definitely a bit of a different character, but. I do like, too, how he's, like, kind of looking forward to the mission. He's like, it's always more fun when Luke's involved. <laughs> when you... Have you ever read, like, the Wedge's gay theory? No. Like, if you, if you read a lot of Star Wars EU books, especially... I'm trying to remember what other books, but you, you can see it in there, the way he reacts when he sees Luke all the yeah. time. He's very, always very, very excited. <laughs> I don't know. I shave it. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. Um, another thing is the, uh, the Walker, the comic has it as an ATPT. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's how the book has it as well. Uh. Also, they have it chasing the, uh, the stormtroopers around the corridors, which it explicitly doesn't do, I'm pretty sure, in the book. Like, isn't it stuck? Yeah, it's, it's semi-stuck, and then they're still able to shoot it in the direction they want to. Yeah. Because Luke tries like to chasing them down the corridor. <laughs> Scooby-Doo style. Yeah. But I, I don't know if ATPTs, see something... like ATPs, I don't think were a thing yet. It's just it was yeah. a smaller version of a scout walker. So yeah. I think it, it was how they were introduced. But mm-hmm. um, I think they were in the Rogue Squadron video game. I don't know if the comic came before mm. that or not. 
Uh, uh, the comic books are Han's fairly the... recent, I think. The Thrawn trilogy comics. Yeah, I think they were like late nineties, weren't yeah. they? Like ninety eight, maybe. Uh, I was even thinking like super early two thousands, but maybe. Oh really? Because they were. No, I, I guess uh, Dark Empire was coming up early around yeah right before this so it says air of the empire one came out in 95 okay yes that's actually a bit earlier than i thought yeah me too but i i actually expect it would might have been like a a west end games or wizards of the coast Mm. i can't remember it might have been i don't i don't know where the atp the original design and designation came from but i'm just yeah speculating there because yeah I'm curious, actually. ATPT. Let's see. First appearance was in. Well, they have it as Dark Force Rising on Wikipedia, so that doesn't really help. Mm. Um, uh, first identified, if you control F that. I don't see that here. Yeah, no, it doesn't have it. That's too bad. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I'm kind of. I'm kind of curious. I. It might actually be Rogue Squadron. That had it because that was ninety. Oh no, that was later. That was ninety-eight. Um, showdown. Dark Strider campaign, probably that then, because hmm. that's a that's a, a West End game source book. The Dark yeah. Strider campaign. Because a lot guess. of stuff just comes from RPG source books. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh. Um, I think that covers like most of the main story beats. If there is there anything else you want to bring up before we get into questions? Um, I wonder what Han saw inside of that ATPT because he sees something that like makes him sick. Well, probably like a, a dead bot, like somebody who went crazy and killed themselves. I imagine. Well, Luke kind of brings like, up. I was thinking about that that the fleet would be like strewn with bodies, but then Luke brings up like the the cleaning droids were probably working overtime to get uh, right. Like wondering what they must have gone through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they probably couldn't move the ATPT, so they went inside, grabbed the body, pulled it out, and there's like yeah. just like smears and stains everywhere from where they were dragging them. <laughs> I don't know what this stain is, but I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> I'm not cleaning this shit up. Uh, one thing I liked is uh, when they're on um, they're on Honiger and Leia's like she wants to uh, ask. Uh, why the Nogri change, like, why some are gray and why some are, like, darker gray or whatever. And I just remember that scene in Mean Girls where it's like, you can't just ask people why they're white. <laughs> you can just ask Nogri why they're gray. <laughs> hey, Matrock, uh, are, are your people racist anywhere? <laughs> yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I was also trying to. I was also thinking about better ways Thrawn could have handled the uh, incursion on the onto the um, the Chimera. My first thought was to just jump the ship through hyperspace, but because like you can't like, like what happens if you jump out when you're in hyperspace? But I guess the main issue there is they have access to the inside of the ship, so they could sabotage or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. yeah uh, especially I, with I think, I, yeah, they had to shut down all the computers because or the main computer because Mara had access to it. So I don't know if they actually like could have. Code. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that she could or that they could have jumped hyperspace when they were turning that off. But like, you think there's like a physical way to close the hangar doors or something? Because like, that was just like a little weird. Like, there's no way to prevent something. Yeah, from Yeah, especially leaving. coming from deep storage where they've got to move the ship down. But yeah, so like you'd think that they have like 
because you see in uh, Revenge of the Sith, the uh, Providence has like that hangar yeah. door that comes by when the uh, the weird shield that exists well, for some reason. What like. happened there is that Anakin just got uh, so upset from almost getting crushed by that that he decreed that no Imperial ships could have it. Uh, mm-hmm. They always must be open in case he needs <gasps> to fly in at any given time. And I think that's that's what went down with that. I like I like that retcon. It makes sense to me. That's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm helping Star Wars authors figure out what to do with their with their story beats to make sure it all it all jives. So you're welcome, everyone. If they would like to consult with me for future novels, my <laughs> fees are very reasonable. Very reasonable. You've got to become a ten dollar patron. That's it. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> got to pay that rent. Gotta. Someone in the comments did correctly point out that the design of the ATP, ATDP, or AT... PT. PT. There are early Ralph McQuarrie concepts. Um, so. Hmm. Other than that, I don't know. Do you have anything else you'd like to mention? I think that's... Uh, no, I think I think we're good for everything that leads us into, uh, into Last Command. But this is, a, this is a transitionary episode. The the middle episode of ever or the middle thing of every trilogy is always more set up than anything. You get mm-hmm. some down some down moments for characters. They lose some stuff. Uh, in this, it's losing the dark force, but yeah, they they take a pretty, a pretty big L in this one. That's for sure. Uh, uh, but yeah, I guess that. that gets us into the emails. All right. Um... We did just get a new one from uh, Giordano, who's in the chat, asking, do you plan to review any canon book? If so, please do Resistance Reborn. I asked this a couple times in Dark Force Live. Sorry if it's annoying. It is not annoying. Uh, Sorry. Well, I I guess I'll say now, we we tend not to be very interactive with the chat during the episode because it is an audio podcast. Uh, So if we're just like going back and forth with the chat, uh, it's easy to get lost. So also thank you to anyone who super chatted. We don't call those out when... uh, doing the recordings but yeah if you want to so i mean we're not sure we don't have any specific uh canon books planned uh we'll probably do some at some point um but yeah i mean i don't i don't i i've read a bit of resistance reborn i haven't flagged that it is a pretty good book Mm. but uh um, we did talk about uh for when the thrawn when Dark chaos, <laughs> chaos Rising, whatever it's called. Thrawn, Star Wars, colon, Thrawn, colon, Ascendancy, colon, Chaos Rising. Yeah, so when <laughs> when uh, Colonoscopy comes Sorry. out there, uh, we're, we did talk about doing the other Thrawn books leading up to it, so maybe we'll do something like that. Uh, but at some point, I assume we'll probably cover other yep. media too. Thanks for the question. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. We'll let you know before we do, certainly. Yeah. Uh, next is from Jeffrey, who asks, um, he's, he's glad we're taking the time to review the books. Uh, do you think Garnbell Iblis's personal rebellion was the inspiration for Saw Gerrera? I mean, we do kind of get some mention. I think both Legends and Canis had the idea that the early, that the early rebellion was very, there were lots of independent factions, and mm-hmm. we even get some of that mentioned by Bell Iblis. So I, I think they definitely took inspiration from the formation I don't know if Bell Iblis specifically, because the big kind of factor for Saw is like his kind of moral grayness, I think. Yeah. Uh, Garm doesn't really come off that way, I don't think. Yeah, like both were an attempt to throw in some 
uh, some kind of discord to yeah. uh, to the rebellion. And a big thing with the Bantam era, especially, I think, was they wanted to avoid too many gray gray areas with uh, like the good side and the evil side. Like we do get some stuff like Bors Falea, Falea and everything, mm-hmm. but the New Republic is still like unquestionably the good guys. And there's some of this yep. stuff that's like it's clearly wrong what they're doing. But mm-hmm. with Saw, uh, something that comes up a lot in the even the Delray period of Legends, and now with what we're getting for. Uh, for a lot of new canon is they are a bit more willing to throw in the questionable means thing yeah. where like we saw Grer is on the good side, but is what he's doing justified is what he's doing. Uh, yeah. Just as bad as the empire in some ways. Mm-hmm. So he's filling a similar role to Garn Bellibus, but a less uh, kid gloves version. Yeah. 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 That's a good answer. Uh, next, we have Cody, um, who says, thought there was a bit of mirrored uh, thought in Ben's farewell to Luke about being first of a new order versus last of the old with what they're doing with Ray and Luke in the movies. Yeah, uh, you I, felt, I definitely felt there, that way. So. Oh, sorry. He asks about a mirror um, to Ben's farewell to Luke in Heir to the Empire about being first of a new order versus last of the old with what they're doing with Ray and Luke in the mm. movies. And yeah, I, I definitely definitely felt that too. I, I meant to comment on that last time. Uh. I can kind of see that, but I, I'm also not entirely sure what's going to happen after Rise of Skywalker. Like, yeah. I don't know if they're going to reestablish a Jedi Order. With... Well, Luke does say he won't be the last Jedi, but no, you're, you are right. Um... Yeah, I, I don't, I don't like. I don't think it'll mirror the Jedi Order the same way that. I guess it depends mm-hmm. on who actually takes the first steps in setting that up. Because you're right. once the movie is done, what it's done, obviously it'll need to get approved, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I I do see the parallel there, but I, I'm still interested to see what they actually end up doing with. Honestly, they should let Timothy Zahn have the first trilogy in the post sequel era. Uh, you Seriously? mean Thrawn: Colon Ascendancy, Thrawn: Chaos: Colon Rising? No, like the first, because that's a prequel, right? Like the yeah. first, um, like let him do the world building, let him fix whatever issues there. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, Callum is next. Um, uh, but actually, first, if there's anyone who has any questions in the chat that you want to get in, uh, you can do that while we do the email questions and we'll get to those though, yeah. as well. But yeah, um, let's just—I'll just pick a few from Callum. Um, he points out some issues with continuity, <laughs> not okay, like Lieutenant Jeter Page being not human. There's a, the the comics are bad for that. There's a few examples of that. Uh, it talks about Nomad City. Um, Talks about other Jedi clones, including Starkiller, X1, X2. Yeah, the X2 and X2 are especially weird. Yeah. I really um, don't like the <sighs> Renegades or the mobile Battlefront game. No. They're just awful for everything in lore. Yeah. Like, don't. I also do not like the Grand Admiral Nile Declan doing the uh, battle meditation. I think that's really lame. Yeah. Uh, Palpatine controlled everyone, but he was busy that day, so actually it was Nile. Yeah. I do like that there uh, was a Grand Admiral who did it, who like also mm-hmm. did battle meditation, but I don't like the full transfer of responsibility to Niall for that day. Agreed. I, I, we did, I meant to mention this too. The, the funny bit about Niles Ferrier giving away Thrawn's name and then also the name of the um, Dark Force contact is a really funny moment. I think one of the most iconic moments of this book probably is when Niles gives away Thrawn's name. Yeah, there's no information for free. Just tell Thrawn then. <laughs> Oh, and then he does it later. Yeah, and then he does it later with the uh, the 
uh, what's his name again? The contact for the uh, Black Hoffner or Dark Force. Yeah, Hoffner, yeah, yeah. He's he's not he's good at stealing ships. He's not good at apparently anything yeah. else. Um, and then we talked about special tap calf for Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So, so uh, we addressed most of that. Thank you for the email. Yeah. Uh, and then our next email here is Neil. Neil, yeah. So something I'd like to get your opinion on is how Zan handles the Force. I remember last episode he mentioned how silly it would be that Yoda could have his power taken away by Zalmuri. It's a fair point. I did like how Zan suggested how it was brought about by an evolutionary defense mechanism. So, do you think well. he had the keys to the kingdom when he was writing the trilogy? He mentioned several force abilities I haven't seen before. Uh, so, have you guys seen any of those force abilities repeated elsewhere, or any strange force abilities in new canon? Uh, um, like we get really what Cal is doing, but I th- that's kind of a variation on what Quinlan Boss and I think yeah, Fulm it's can the do. same yeah, psychos psychometry, it's the same yeah. skill, and they even mentioned like yeah the. I think I don't the I don't know if the game mentions it by name, but the devs mentioned it by name a few times. Um, one thing interesting in this is Luke says he's not a very good healer, and I guess by Jedi standards he's not a great healer, but he it's not bad either. Yeah, well he he repairs uh, the lady's mind in Teresa Bakura too, but mm-hmm. he tries to heal Deb, but heals himself. He kills those bugs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh any weird force abilities i mean some of the stuff that um that joris does is pretty crazy like when he fuzzes luke and mara's minds mm-hmm. that's we don't see that a lot i thought that was pretty cool like he basically makes mara like drunk fly and then he kind of has like a he kind of keeps luke like part of the reason why luke doesn't leave earlier is because he's kind of like always under the sway of his bullshit because of the force uh I think Star Wars could have a lot of potential for, like, a horror story, which, I mean, Fallen Order almost gets to that point with some stuff, mm-hmm. uh, without getting into any spoilers, but just the idea, like, there's people that exist in this universe that can just super dominate you, yeah. completely screw with your mind, and yeah. having, like, a psychological thriller set in the Star Wars universe, I'd be all for. Yeah, me too. If we can get that as, yeah, like, a but... Disney Plus series, uh... <laughs> Yes, please. Yeah, they'll put it right after on the list right after the uh, DuckTales, I think. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if we get any real characters like that. Sabioth, because he does something like that with Pelion in the next book, um, where he like tells him to do something, then it's like, you're not going to remember this. But other than that... Uh, oh, there's one other email we got here, uh, which I think we covered the ones on the spreadsheet already. Or not the spreadsheet, the Google Doc there. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so this one we got from Johnny Faber. Uh, okay. Hi, my name is Miss Faber Ahmed. It is with a real pleasure to exchange with you because I say to myself that it is perhaps you, the nice man, attentive, and very affectionate that I look for in order to find a real home by writing this message. <laughs> I have a presentiment that we could about a few choices to the extent we are the same as we are and that we are looking for each of the sides to soulmate. That's why I discovered my soulmate on the internet. Legends was it? So uh, thank you for the email. Uh, Apparently, our spam filter isn't strong enough. Double deflector shields. (laughs) I don't see too many questions in the chat either. Valerie with some uh, some Thrawn's revenge tie-in questions. Um, but yeah. So I guess that's it. Do you want to do your your rankings? 
Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll flip on over to the ranking screen here, the fancy new technology we have. Uh, so mm-hmm. right now for both of us, we have Plagueis first and Kratos Trap last. Uh, with with some, Air being number two. Yeah, with Air to the Empire, we're number two for both of us. Yeah. Uh, Air to the Empire and Dark Horse Rising are very close for me. I mm-hmm. do think I was strongly considering putting Dark Horse Rising above Air to the Empire, but I think simply because of middle movie in a trilogy syndrome, uh, mm-hmm. with how it is mostly set up and less payoff, uh, yeah, like you don't get quite the same highs as the introduction uh, or of uh, the Last Command. I think I mm-hmm. am going to put it third, so right after okay. Day of the Empire, and I fully expect Last Command to be at least second, if not first. Yeah, I, I agree completely. It it's it got a little less world building too, which I always yeah. enjoy. Um the first book just sets everything up in such a nice way that like it deserves so much credit. Um this book also uses the word sardonically so goddamn much. Like <laughs> it, it's 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 crazy. It's I would guess this book uses the word sardonically at least a hundred times. That... Maybe not at least seventy times. Six sixty. Sixty times be reasonable probably 60 times <laughs> um and yeah like like that is just kind of a a little nuance of zon's writing but overall the book is really enjoyable um the really impressive thing is like how much it, he flushes out the universe like through conversations you know what i mean mm-hmm. just like han and lando just like shooting the shit and i'll be like they'll tell you something about the universe like They'll be like, oh, no, you can't use a repulsor lift in that way. It only does this, this, and this. And so much of that is like ends up being like foundational to yeah. the universe. So all three For of sure. these books, really. But, yeah, number three for me. Number but... three for you. So that puts both of us with the same top three and the same uh, last two with Trusibakura and Kratos Trap. Yeah. I wonder if anything will. I don't think anything's gonna fall be under Krydos Trap. I honestly don't Ever? know. Maybe not. Even Crystal Star, it's so stupid. Or like Children of the Jedi is so stupid, but it's so zany and so weird that like Krydos Trap is not only it's just boring. Like it just could have. It's just really boring. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I. I feel I'm gonna like read there's some coming. <laughs> That are that are gonna fall. Maybe below like uh, what's what's the uh, what's the one where they're dealing with the uh, the plague again on that planet? Um, not Children of the Jedi, but the other one um, with with the the hut. What's the name of that book again? Um, with the the Jedi hut. Yeah. What book is that again? I always forget the name of that one. Uh, is that? It's not Dark Saber. It's uh, Planet of Twilight. Yeah, Planet of Twilight. Yes. Okay. Uh, I hate that book. Um, but yeah, that's another Barbara Hamley one, I think. Yeah. Well, isn't it part of the same series as? Yeah, it's 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 yeah yeah. It's like uh, the Callisto books. Yeah. It's like Dark Saber, Planet of Twilight, and uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Krydos is going to be bottom for me. Children of the Jedi. Like, it, it doesn't have much happening to it. It's not a bad book, though. 
But, uh, but yeah, so we did get two more questions here. Uh, just before closing out, I guess, what are your thoughts about Star Wars shows using old concept art in the shows? Uh, so it's, I guess adapting like yeah. Ralph McQuarrie's old stuff. It's fine, but I, I like Ralph McQuarrie is amazing, obviously, but I find it's kind of a way to, for them to ignore criticism. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If it's like, this design is too similar, and it's just kind of like a way of saying, well, yeah, but it's Ralph McQuarrie stuff. You yeah. Know? And it's the design um, that they chose to not use. So <laughs> Exactly. Like, having the X-Wing for the sequel trilogy be based off Ralph McQuarrie art is, like, I wish they would have done a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the, like, the design choices for Star Wars Rebels, for example, like the really tall neck Star Destroyer. Yeah. I think that's based on Ralph McQuarrie. Uh, it's more of a... I think that was just, like, stylization. Stylization, yeah. But... It's kind of like... Saying there's like certain names in Star Wars that you use as like a way to give you credibility to whatever project you're working yeah. on, and Ralph McQuarrie is is one of them. Yeah, Ralph McQuarrie, John Williams. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the and last one. Oh, sorry. Frank says I'm just gonna read Frank's question. Uh, he says, "Have you read the Tenebrous Way?" I read that one. I talked about that before we did Plagueis. Yeah. You haven't read it. Uh, and he also mentions, I did see this, a Star Wars YouTuber named Genesari. He's the one that does the, the really in-depth versus videos, I think. He's been hacked. So hopefully YouTube can do something about that. Yeah. But we're st- that uh, that channel, lately. yeah, the uh, the Warhammer channel that started was hacked. And they're still waiting um, to get a resolution for that. So, mm. yeah. That's a fun note to end on. Yep. Uh, Enable two-factor author- authorization, and best of luck to you, because yeah. sometimes there's nothing you can do. Yeah, so I think that's uh, that's going to do it for this episode of yep. Tap Calf Transmissions. Uh, next episode, as we were saying, at the top of the show is going to be the 20th of December. That's this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. At 7 p.m., our regular time. Unless something... Probably. Let's just put an asterisk just Yeah, well, we may adjust it. We'll let you know. That one's going to be yeah, over on uh, Eckhart's Ladder. Uh, YouTube.com yeah. slash Eckhart's Ladder. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about the rise of Skywalker and the end of the third trilogy. Yep. Uh, and I guess we'll be back two weeks after that for Last Command. Yep. So... And, uh... I'm. Are you, we're gonna play some Halo Reach after this, right? Are yeah. you gonna stream it? Uh, I think I'm, I'm thinking, going to. So. Yeah. So okay. So choose a channel. You're already here, so stay here. Uh, I'm gonna take a quick break and then yeah. yeah. So thanks to everyone who listened. Thanks to everyone who downloaded the podcast. I know this last numbers episodes numbers for last episode. Sorry, we're pretty good. So uh, always feel free to send us an email tapcaftransmissions at gmail That's tapcaf without an e, because um, you can go either way in Star Wars. Uh, Tapcap with an E. And yeah, just thanks everyone for listening and watching. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Good night. All right, I'll be right back. Yep. Gotta press the end stream.